Good morning, News of Florida.net, and I'm Kemp Parr. I'm at covering second day of the show in Las Vegas, and I'm here with Joe Lundgren, a consultant in the tile business. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great, Kemp. Thanks. A little background on you real quickly. You spent uh, the early part of your career at Dell Tiles, Vice President of Marketing, and you've kind of made it on your own. A lot of companies who are considering making investments in this industry come to you and ask for advice. So you're kind of the go-to guy. Well, I like to say that, you know, and it's worked out well for me over the last 10 years, almost 11 years now as a consultant. Yeah. It's too bad this is audio because you're looking great today. Well, thank you. I, that's why I dressed up. You know, I'm hoping the crowd here appreciates yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, let's start out with talking about the show. It is second day of the show. What do you think? It's almost normal, don't you think? I, you know, what is normal? Yeah. I mean, other than how bad my feet hurt from having to walk a trade show, which is fantastic kind of pain to feel, I think we are back to normal. And, and seeing the number of suppliers that are here from around the world, even with the things going on, and then the traffic. I was just over at the entrance to the show and watching the flow of people came back. It really is back. We're mm. back on the tile side. You know, it's normally in Orlando. It comes out here every now and then. So I think that probably affects it just a little bit. But uh, I think this is just as good as the last time the show was in Vegas. Oh, at least. Or even better. I'm excited to see the numbers once they come in. So let's talk. I know you walk around and you, you put out a report. I saw it last night. To give me a quick overview on some things you see that are interesting. In terms of product, I'm seeing some next generation evolution of products, which tile industry is historically, hey, we have our marble looks, which we've replicated natural stone, and we have our concrete looks. Wood, to a certain degree, is really hot in Europe, so we see a few of the European guys showing that. A lot of large porcelain panels here at the show, but there's definitely some more advanced product. In the concrete field, we see them mixing in larger chunks or like terrazzo in with the concrete. That really is a realistic look because sometimes we get a little bit overbearing on that. And obviously the large unit porcelains, the panels, is, is something that is very successful in Europe. Still a very small portion of our market here in the United States, primarily because of the ability to transport that product and handle it in warehouses and then installation on top of that complicates things for us here. But the Italians and the Spanish, they typically show us things they're doing well in Europe. We do follow them but we're probably about 10 years behind them in terms of trends. This one's a little different because of an installation piece. Now, there's some great product out there, and I'm excited to get to see what's out there. So what you're saying is, is there's a disproportionate amount of the booth space that's dedicated to these gauge porcelain panels, just if you wanted to factor in what actually sells in this country. I would say that's primarily true on the European side, yeah. Not, not, not in the TCNA pavilion, because obviously these guys are focused on the United States market. But with, when you go over to the European side and the Spanish and over there, you'll see a larger proportion of that. I'm seeing a lot more texture this year. I mean, you know, take, for instance, the Del Conca space. They've got a, um, I think they're using a continuum now versus a Saatchi uh, process, and it's got some kind of digital uh, overlay printing on top of it, and it's just gorgeous. It looks almost like an oil painting, uh, but it's got a, I think texture's one of the key trends this year, don't you think? I would agree that texture is a big portion of what we're seeing, along with design incorporated into that. And in, in my notes I put out just recently, some of the concrete looks that you see, not only is it the large conglomerates, but you see patterns on the entire tile, and it might be one color with three patterns with different satin or lapato and different finishes on there, and it increases the number of skews, but it also increases the number of uses and places you can use that because we, we traditionally see 
we'll call them decorative elements, used as a band around a big floor with field tile. Now we're seeing that whole floor done into decorative elements with these type of products you're talking about with different textures and designs incorporated. So mm-hmm. it's exciting to see us moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. One of the things I mentioned earlier that you help out with is when people, like just recently Portobello, they're going to put a factory here. You get engaged with them and help them find a site. I just left Eric Astrakhan this morning, the uh, Tile Council North America press event, and he was talking about the things we all know about as far as the hurdles of getting imported products to the United States and the elevated price of natural gas, so that they've had to raise prices. And he was saying from the stage that now's a great time to be a domestic producer, right? It is a great time to be a domestic producer if you have a plant today. Tough if you're going to build a plant today just because of the high costs to do so. And historically, the United States is probably one of the most expensive places to build a ceramic tile factory. And I think that's one of the things that kind of surprises some of these foreign companies who start importing into the U.S. and they say, hey, great opportunity, you know, only about 30% is domestic. They have the know-how, the expertise, and, and I think uh, domestically they can get a quicker payback on that investment if they do that in their own country. So some shy away from it. Portobello, been very aggressive. Caesar think they're going to do very well and great timing out right now, but still, you know, efficient. Let me just ask you, I'm going to put you out. All of our domestic capacity, how much of consumption could we make? Right now, it's anywhere, just about 35%, the the size of the market. So uh, we rely on imports. Uh, If we don't have the imports, we cannot supply the whole industry, not even close. Eric said a great great time to have a factory. It's getting over that investment hurdle and getting established in the United States. And you see companies have done it. Landmark from the Atlas Group had done it recently. Del Conca, 2014, I think. Landmark was 2016. And Wonder after that, and now Portobello. So, and, and there's some companies looking into it, seriously looking into it with the state of Tennessee. So hopefully we'll see some more. Mm-hmm. All right, let's switch to channel shift, channel evolution. We've talked about this before. You know, we've talked about history. There was manufacturers, and uh, they would sell it through distribution. Uh, then it would go to the dealer and then end up with the consumer, and that's kind of evolved now. One of the biggest changes has been floor and decor. They're uh, talking about opening 160 new stores. Their stock's not doing great. I just looked at it this morning right now, but that's probably just some growing pains. But they're definitely going to change the equation in this market, aren't they? Yeah, no, no doubt they've changed the equation and will continue to. I align it with when Walmart moves into a small town because they've got a great model. They've really done a lot of good research. And if you look at the way they go to market and the way that they can pivot, and when I say pivot, the biggest difference they make other traditional home centers, i.e. Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, is that when a, when a product becomes unavailable, and we see that more and more now with everything going on in Europe, they are able to take that spot in their store and move another product in there overnight. You know, we're in a home center or in an established company that is out doing architectural specifications. You can't turn on a dime like that. So they've got this model set up where they can turn on a dime and they don't have to hang their hat and rely on that one supplier. So, and I think their total goal has gone up. I think the goal was 400 stores and now it's going to be 500 stores. So definitely a very aggressive plan. And I think the stock is just a nature of the beast of the, of the market right now because everybody's stocks come down, you know, including Mohawk. But that will just be a cyclical thing. I think they'll come back up. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things, though, they've drawn a line in the sand and they've just said, hey, listen, we are not going to install this product. I mean, that's the one area. If you want to compete with floor and decor, that's how you compete is to have somebody you can recommend to put the product in, right? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a good way for them to stay out of that turnkey operation because they have really established themselves with the pro, if you think about it. And, and you look it out in the marketplaces and they refer to that. They do a great job marketing to the pro who influences the consumer, which is the opposite of what you see out there in the home center traditional where they're going to the consumer. So I think they've done a great job getting the pros behind them. It's the convenience of the hours they have, the range of product, and they're very competitive on prices. And their price is the price, you know, no contractor discount. That's kind of something of the past per se. The contractors, if you really look at a job, the total cost of the job, it's not the material, it's the labor piece. So it's, it's not going to make it or break it if Floor & Decor can give you 10% off on the price that they have out there. It's your labor price. Real quick before we run out of town, what other changes are we seeing out there at distribution or at the retail level? There's been some other acquisitions, haven't there? Yeah, that was the recent one, you know, the Platinum Group, which already owned Ceramic Techniques and Happy Floors, picked up Stone Source, which is one of the original spec companies out there that really drives after the commercial market and driving after specific projects, large projects. So the group together is a formidable company. I just met with them recently here at the show, and they're out looking for new product. And the, the challenge everybody has is finding new product. But with Happy Floors, you know, they have a good share of the dealer market. They have great product, great service. And Ceramic Techniques and Stone Source together is going to be a powerhouse on the commercial side, without a doubt. All right. Let me, let me ask you that one last crystal ball question. What's going to happen for the rest of this year? I think we'll see continuous growth in both housing and the uh, Resri model, with Resri models starting to curtail around the fourth quarter because a lot of that demand's been pulled forward over the last two years. But then we have the commercial, which has come back with a fury, obviously, and, and we see the commercial market growing. But again, the commercial's only about 30% of the ceramic market, with the residential being 70. Housing, you know, is definitely on a good trajectory. It's just the supply piece that keeps us from really growing in that market. So I still think we'll see growth here. I'd love to see, you know, up into the high single digit for the year, but it remains to be seen in terms of what's going on in the economy and with things over in the Ukraine. All right. So on the share take between lookalike products and real products, do you think ceramic will continue? This last year, it held its own and grew about the same pace as the market. Do you think there'll be more erosion on the lookalike products, or has the consumer finally decided they want the real thing? Well, I think that definitely ceramic will always be strong. So it will really depend upon supply. But from the consumer standpoint, I think that the real thing, and not to go into the other categories, is by far a superior product. You get the longevity out of that versus alternatives. Mm-hmm. So I think that most, we just don't know that trajectory on that LVT side of when that's going to mellow out and level. But I think there's always going to be, you know, like I say, on the stone side, the stoners will always be stoners. And, and then, of course, I think we have that. I got to come to the good thing on that one. People who love the tile bit for a period of time. Yeah. Okay. To Joe Lundgren, an industry consultant in the ceramic tile market, and you've been listening to Kempar and FloridaLA.net.